This is our seventh session on Ephesians 5, 8 to 14, and I said last time that we might get to this statement, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I'm going to put that off till next time, because as I've thought about this right here, it requires more attention and doesn't leave us enough time to deal adequately with this. So, Paul has said, don't share in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, show that they are wrong. And then he gives an argument, an argument that looks strange, because the argument says, because, expose them, because it is shameful even to speak of them, the things that they do in secret. Now, if 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 it's if it's shameful to speak of them, is he saying don't say a word about those? Then how do you expose them? Let me pray, Father. As we try to understand Paul's reasoning here for how we should go about exposing darkness and how we should avoid avoid shameful speech about darkness. Oh, give us discernment so that we become light. We are light. We want to be light so that we know how to speak and we know how to expose both rightly. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I think a key to figuring out what Paul means when he argues for exposing by discouraging us from speaking about them, <laughs> is to notice this and, which is part of the argument. It's got two parts. Let's read them together, see if it solves the problem. For it's shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret, and all things exposed by the light are manifest. Now, I had to think about that a long time. How does that work? How does this and work together with this to argue for exposing rightly? I wonder if you see it. Here's what I see. When he says, and all things exposed by the light are manifest, so you don't need to go into any detail and linger in your mouth over describing all the horrors and ugliness and shamefulness of what they do in secret, because when you live the light, they're manifest. I think that's the way it works. And what I think he means by, by the light is you are light, and when you, as children of light, bear the fruit of light, it's goodness in your life and righteousness in your life and truth in your life, and those are the light. So I think what he's saying is, if you Christians who, are, who have been converted out of this darkness of horror live in such a goodness and such a righteousness and such a truthfulness, you don't need to harp with your mouths on the gross things you used to do. They're shameful even to talk about. So that's the way I think this and contributes to the argument for 
So I'll paraphrase it like this. Expose the works of darkness. We saw that those were immorality. I'm back at verse 3 now in chapter 5. Morality, impurity, covetousness, things like that. Um, filthiness, foolish talk, crude joking. When you're done with those, expose them because they're, they're so evil, they need to be exposed. So evil, you shouldn't talk about them. But you don't need to talk about them, at least not much, because the light of your life make them manifest, and thus they are exposed by your life. Now, this four, I'm really puzzled by. Frankly, I don't know the answer. Maybe I'll figure it out by next time, but four, all that is manifest is light, is light. What in the world does that mean? Because this all here seems to refer back to these unfruitful works of darkness, expose the unfruitful works of darkness, because what they do in secret is too shameful even to speak about, and they are exposed and made manifest by your light because all that is manifested is light. Now, let me give you a couple of, of thoughts. We were once darkness, but are light. That's the closest analogy to what is manifested is light. You are light. And so some interpreters take this all to mean not the unfruitful works of darkness, but that Paul has shifted gears and is now talking about people. And that when people are brought into the light, they become light. And this therefore then, which is telling you how to address people in that process, therefore say to them, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead. Christ will give you light. And so this is a description of what happens to people when they are shown to be wrong and brought into visibility in their sin then they become light. Maybe, maybe so. Or, but it's got real problems because this all certainly looks like it refers back here. And it's not true that all unbelievers who have their deeds exposed become Christian. So it may be that this is simply a very vivid and strong statement that once your life of light has shed light on the, the shameful works of darkness, they are light just in the sense that there they are, shining in the, in the, in the uh, brightness of your light. A very emphatic way of saying, well, there... They're quite bright now, brought out into the light, and you can see all their ugliness. Frankly, I'm not sure how to understand this for. Let me end with something that I think is clear and very, very important to notice. This argument here, for it is shameful to speak of these sins. That's an argument for why you should expose them. And I just want to show you how, and it's an argument for why you should not share in them. There's two statements here. 
don't share in the unfruitful works of darkness and rather expose them because they're so shameful. Now, shame is a new idea that has come into Paul here. He hasn't mentioned that yet. And I want to draw your attention to how many different arguments Paul uses, because I don't want you to be swept away by anybody who focuses on one of these kinds of motivations and not the others. So here they are. Let's just start at verse 3. Sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness should not be named among you. You shouldn't participate in that. You should expose that. Because it's not proper among saints. Argument number one, and we could probably put in that same category, they are out of place. Let there be no filthiness, foolish talk, crude joking, which are out of place. So there's argument number one, an argument from propriety or fitness or what's in place. He goes on, instead, let there be thanksgiving for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral, impure, covetous, same as those right there, they will not inherit the kingdom of Christ. There's argument number two. You're going to be excluded from the kingdom of Christ. They're not just improper. They're going to keep you out of heaven. And then he keeps going. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, don't become partners. So argument number three is you're going to get wrath. You don't just get excluded from the kingdom. And you don't just act improperly, you come under the wrath of God. That's motivation number three. He keeps going in the next paragraph. Because, don't participate in them, because you are not anymore in darkness, you are light. Argument number four is you've got a new nature. Act according to your new nature. You are children of light. Don't act as though you're children of darkness anymore. Seek to be pleasing to the Lord. And now we come to number five. Don't share in the unfruitful works of darkness because they're so shameful. You shouldn't even talk about them. So there's five motivations. So if anybody comes along and says to you, oh, the New Testament is a, you know, an honor shame ethic. Well, yes, but good grief. It is, <laughs> it's, it's a propriety ethic. It's an out-of-place ethic. It's an exclusion from the kingdom of God ethic. It's a wrath of God ethic. God speaks with motives that cover all cultures. And if this one helps in the culture you're in, use it. Now think with me for just a moment. What does shameful mean? Linger. Let, if, you're, if you're in a group discussing this right now, turn it off. And say, let's talk about shame for a minute. What is something that is shameful? What does the word shame add to all these other motivations? And I would suggest that shame, let's just pick up over here in Philippians 3.19 to get an idea. Th their end, he's talking about unbelievers, their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame. Glory and shame are opposites. In other words, these are people who have lost their capacity to feel shame because they now boast. They feel honored when they do shameful things. So the opposite of shame is glory 
And the sickness of the human heart is that we consider it glorious. I mean, think of all the kinds of immoralities in which people boast, the kind of immodesties in which they boast in movies and television. We've lost our capacities to feel shame. So shame assumes an honor in the human soul. It, it assumes a kind of dignity. It assumes a kind of integrity. It assumes a kind of respectability. And when you do something that is shameful, which is what Paul says it is to even speak about these um, unfruitful works of darkness, when that happens, you lose honor, you lose dignity, you lose integrity, you lose respectability, and you feel shame, or you ought to. So what's wrong with a person? Have you ever met a person who they enjoy speaking in the most morbid or gross details about sexual sin or financial sin or other kinds of personal sin? And you say, don't you? I mean, you, you feel in your heart, doesn't that bother you to talk the way you're talking? I mean, yes, you can find a non-shameful way to refer to this so that we can talk about the kind of thing that they were doing, but you seem to glory in the gross details. What's wrong with a person like that? And what's wrong is that they're defective in light. This light has not penetrated deeply enough into their souls. They're not saturated enough with the light of Christ to develop a kind of sensibility that they can tell when their appropriate honor and dignity, integrity, and respectability in Christ is being besmirched and trampled upon by the way they're speaking. So all of that to say, Paul multiplies motivations for right living, and we shouldn't limit him to just one. And if we find that this one is alien to us and we don't quite know what it's like to be shamed by speaking of evil, we've got some work to do on our souls.